0: Hey yo, what up it's force of feel about the track, yo! It's time for ONZ DMTG on the stream. What it do? Let's go. Oh. It's the Anzi D stream, MTG. Slinging legacy up on the Twitch scene. We're going for the eyes, looking Minsk and Boo. Playing off five colors, we don't have to choose. custom E-I-P-E-S-T-P, S T P. Cause always in the bed because he brings the heat. Seven library, we're paying eight. With Terminus' mom, row escapes. Dressing down opponents, oopsie flash ya. Streaming commentator, mage for caster. Double line, tundra, endurance matters. Fly across the world, eternal magic master. Punts on, punts on, punts galore. Elo punting, Anz hits record. Sponsor shelling out hot meals to eat, but then Texas on stream, yeah, guaranteed. He's got toast in chat, he's making toast, he's the content king, coverage the goat. Fans in the chat know that he's fetching duels, close your bets, ponder, miss, then he'll scoop. Wasteland Tiger, play Savannah, Prismatic mana, Panorama, this is Legacy. This ain't Commander, but beyond his jam. Let's take a gander at Anzi D, MTG. Onzee D's playing Legacy, welcome to the stream. Would you like to reveal his hand? how it was designed in 17? This is Onzee D playing MTG. Onzee D's playing Legacy, we got Onzee D, MTG, Onzee D. He's playing Legacy, yeah, Anza D, to G, Anza D is playing Legacy. Welcome to the stream. Would you like to reveal his hand? How it was designed in seventeen? We got Anza D, to G, Anza D playing Legacy, yeah, Anza D playing to G, Anza D playing
1: Legacy, uh What it do? Hello and welcome to Eternal Doodles. I'm your host, Zach Clark, and with me as always, Phil Blackman. Phil, how's it going, man? Zach, we have a very special guest on the cast today. Uh, last time
2: we were together in person, we played some legacy games against each other, and he crushed me. He crushed me so good that he gave me the pity pack afterwards and was like, <laughs> good job, bro. Good job. With us today, Anurag Das. Welcome to the cast. Right, hey, it what going, it man? do?
1: <laughs> what it do, baby? I think the last time I I, I saw Anu, uh, we were we were jamming out to uh, Frodo Baggins <laughs> live on stage.
3: Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I remember that. That was, sick. honestly, I, it's, it's funny because just the other day I was like re-watching uh, Lord of the Rings with my in-laws who had flown over and I was like, I saw that guy. He's a DJ. And they were like, <laughs> Frodo? Yeah, Elijah Wood. I did not like his music too much, oh, was, but that's just me personally. Yeah,
1: it was such a 90s chill sounds commercial thing that they did. The Sail Away song and stuff. I was like, oh, okay, I see where we're, where we're going here. For me, uh, the, at those events, I want something a little, a little less celebrity. I want to hang out with the locals, you know? yeah, <laughs> yeah. Them- it, Give him some credit, dude. He walked into
2: Mordor, survived Mount Doom, and then came back and did a DJ set. I got
3: into it. I did it. I did it. And I know I wasn't supposed to, but I just like, I I, I got into an argument about the Eagles and why we couldn't just Eagles. And I'll just leave it at that. I ain't getting into this. I ain't getting into this. I mean, being from Philly,
1: never getting into an argument about the Eagles. That's a bad idea.
3: (laughs)
2: They'll burn the city down. They'll
1: burn yeah. the whole city
3: down. Do you have an announcement? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm I'm very stoked to announce that I'll be doing coverage at Eternal Weekend for the NA champs. Uh, by the time this video is out, more likely than not, I will also have already done coverage of uh, Europe's Eternal Weekend. So it's honestly super cool that uh, this year coverage is happening. I, I, I don't That's know. Setting, I, yeah, yeah, That's exactly. Amazing. Right. Like it's just it always makes me happy when uh, the powers that be are like, you know what, we want coverage. And uh, especially for Eternal Weekend, like Legacy and Vintage, this is their time to shine, yeah. That's amazing.
1: Where will we be able to see this coverage?
3: Still kind of figuring out where... The North America one's gonna be it's either at twitch.tv slash card or twitch.tv maybe like on my page or something like that. Yeah. Eternal Week in Europe is definitely happening on my page though. Twitch.tv slash unzmtg. So that'll that'll be pretty exciting and I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how those games play out. It's gonna be pretty sweet.
1: Well, I mean at the very least, we'll have all your links below and you know, follow follow Anu on Twitter and hit the notifications button so that you just see when when this stuff's going on and then you'll just know. High five, nice plug. This is also feels like the first <laughs> (laughs) Major step in the
2: culmination of like all of the work that Anu has done, yeah, of like out of pocket his own to get coverage to happen for the. For legacy. Like yeah, I
1: think I pro- think it bears it bears introducing you to people who, who don't know any better uh what you've actually been doing for the last couple of years.
3: I just like used to be like a legacy homie. I'd stream on Twitch and things like that. And then like after the pandemic, there was an event, SCG Con Philly, I think it was. It was like the first event after coming back from the pandemic kind of deal. I was like, you know what? It's really exciting that SCG's gonna put some cameras over this event, it's gonna be like the good old days. And then I got a notification that I was just like, Oh, they're not doing doing anything they, they've moved away from it so i was like all right well this is not you know this is not going to happen um i mean like you know how it is right like like back in the day like it's like sunday or something and you would turn on your you just know computer on. Yeah, yeah and you just like watch like reed duke playing elves against like joe Lissette on miracles and you're like all right that's my jam right and so it really got me thinking it's just like well i really don't want us to lose that and so i said all right i'm just gonna pack my bags. I have my phone. I have like a little tripod thing. Put a camera over some matches. Let's go. All of the stuff
2: that Anurag has done for coverage for Legacy stems way back even before he had like his video setup that has progressively gotten better over time as well. There was time back in G- in like the old GP days where we were traveling to the big events. We would be at the top eight tables and we'd be on the side and Anu would be live tweeting what was going on in the top eight. Yeah. So straight up doing written coverage off on his Twitter. So people could follow along with stuff that wasn't there. I remember it. I was next to I was next to you when you were doing that stuff. What is going on that you're like you looked like frantically typing on your phone? (laughs) <laughs> and you're like, and you were just like, dude, it's coverage, it's what it is. Yeah,
3: so like, I I remember that too, because like I wanted to, the, like there was GP Bologna where I did that. I think there was also Eternal Weekend a couple of years ago, like in 2019, where like I really wanted to be part of coverage. So I I, I straight up I just like walked to Nick Cost and I was like, hey, look, I'll do this for free. Uh, here's here's why you should hire me, or not just like let me do this. And it was awesome. It was like maybe like one of the best experiences I've had. I think I had an interview even with um David Lance Static Grip, who uh, is a you know longtime legacy player. But yeah. Yeah, then fast forward to like now and effectively, like I, I think I just got hooked. Uh Like it was a project that I was really invested in and I just kept growing and growing and growing. And now, you know, I'm, I'm traveling to to Prague with like 200 pounds of audio video equipment trying to like figure my way out here. And it's it's transitioned from like like something, you know, small into something that I would love to do like full time, try to figure that out. Like how to turn like think about thinking about it from like a business perspective almost, which is kind of exciting. Yeah. Eventually, they're going to have to get you an assistant pretty soon, you know, like Dude, i tell me about it i i <laughs> carry
1: 200 it's, pounds of, of equipment i mean i used to be a photo assistant i know that that ain't easy <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah yeah i have a I, I tell everyone i have a system which is like using like a velcro strap tie two suitcases together so that i only have yep. to pull it's it's rickety it's so it's yeah, yeah, it's yeah. something
1: else it's a giant boon for the for the legacy community to have to have anyone doing this but like you're doing it and you're you're upgrading at personal expense you know you're out there uh up, updating your system and making it better and you know like learning the craft and to me like we need more of that in, in Legacy and it's amazing to ha- have somebody that's that's up there just doing it just taking the initiative and doing it uh, you know if you'll pardon my uh... pardon
2: <laughs> yeah I heard it I heard it I winced a little bit yeah the hair on the back of my neck stood up you're saying taking the initiative I'm so sorry don't don't, don't you know who you're with right now <laughs> yeah. look at look, the people look, on the, sides on of the side, side of you <laughs> on the left and the right yeah. <laughs> yeah anybody who like wants to with EU EW coming up on in both for Europe and North America last year's North America uh, EW, that coverage from that event was Onurag stuff. That was his own thing. That's not like it was coordinated with eternal weekend like also like that was anu doing it he was on the side of the top eight the entire time doing that coverage to see like the quality of of the coverage that's being put up and it's only going to get better from here anu what is the projection that you see from here now that you've actually you're getting some support from the powers that be as you said w- where is it going to go from here and then like what is it that you think are going to be the hurdles that maybe others could help you along the way with the third part of
1: that what's your ideal situation
3: i'll answer that question last because that, that, that one's kind of okay. tricky but of i course. think from now from this point on what i'm really looking forward to or or what i'm really focusing on is revenue generation so i'll say like like last year 2022 was all about creating the concept and proving that there is an MVP, like a minimum viable product that exists for this, right? Is there a market? Do people want to watch? Like those kind of things, right? And obviously, duh, like I, I don't even know why I asked it, but like, you know, for, for all intents and purposes, like, you know, if, you, if you're thinking about like, what is the business plan for this? Because realistically speaking, it costs a lot of money. I think one of the biggest stalwarts to to like the costs of coverage on online is like Cedric Phillips. It'll always be like, people don't really know what it's like to have to like put together all this equipment, have to put together an ensemble all the logistics that go behind it and and when i went into it i was like damn like there's there's a lot of stuff i'd like to say that i have a couple of workarounds i got it to work you know people started getting interested in it so i was like okay i'll keep i'll keep growing and growing and growing now where i'm at from a technical perspective, I think I've sort of reached final form. Like I, I'm thinking, you know, I've got hand cams for everybody. I've got really fancy overhead cams. I've got table mics that I recently added, you know, uh, even like a card reader, if somebody needs to see a new card or something like that. Uh, there's a lot of cool stuff out there. Uh, maybe maybe I could like, you know, now start focusing on like the visual elements a little bit more on the screen, but that's all like coding related stuff that I'm particularly bad at. Uh, and I'm working with a couple people to, to put together some awesome stuff. Stuff here for eternal weekend and even like you know dream hack in december so that's something that uh i'm very proud of and you know shout out shout out to jordan who basically uh if you don't know like have you have you heard of like the swiss triangle website like you know that website no please enlighten oh, us yeah. Uh, it's something that I use like way way back. Like it's it's like Swiss Triangle, Bradley J- JX or something like that. Turns out that that guy Jordan is just he's he makes everything happen in Magic. Like you, the the most impactful unknown person in Magic, and at, honestly at this point not even unknown because you know you talk to Tos and you talk to people. But, you know J- Jordan's name will very very uh, revered one. Anyways, so yeah, I think I think that's like the next move is to like sort of make it like visually more appealing. Trying to figure out like what gets somebody into coverage from like a strategic perspective and gets them to stay right i think a lot Look of my content com- creation yeah exactly <laughs> yeah that's basically what it is it's like another yeah. chapter right i think a lot of my work is reminiscent of like what SCG used to do, but I want to like dial it up to the next level. I mean, we have so much technology and we have just like the, I, mean, I, don't, I don't know, I, like I want to make coverage more exciting, right? Because I yeah. think there, there, there are some fundamental things about Magic the Gathering specifically, like compared comparing it to other games like League of Legends or like Counter-Strike or whatever it is. You, know, you don't always have like flashy things on the screen. So figuring out how to um destroy like the, the barrier of entry and then also keep it interesting, keep it fresh. Those are those are like very 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 difficult concepts um, to sort of find answers for, and that's like the theoretical aspect of it. I think there's also now like the business aspect of it, which is at this point, you know, I've done probably like 20 shows over two years, which if you think about it, it's like one once a month almost, yeah, maybe sometimes lot. even more. Yeah, yeah, that's a lot of flying. So then, like I mentioned, it's about marketing too, which is like if this is going to be something that exists beyond just like the one year or the two years that I, you know, I I'm doing this for fun, money has to become in somehow, right? Like we have to yeah. we're, we're we have to be adults, put our big, big boy pants on and just be like, how are we paying for this? The next flight, the next flight after that, how are we paying casters? How are we covering internet? How are we doing all these sort of things, right? And so that's sort of been the challenge of uh, finding sponsors and things like that. I think there's been, I think like this is something that you mentioned, Phil, which was like last year's Eternal Weekend, right? And I want to take a moment to just talk about this, which is that event was potentially the biggest disaster I ran into until the community came together and made it the most amazing event that I have ever streamed and obviously it's going to be the the eternal players legacy and 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 vintage who are coming together to, to hang out but I'll, I'll give you a little bit there's a little bit of tea here but basically yeah. I was trying to coordinate with card titan last year to figure out you know how to do coverage for their event and it was really tricky because they hadn't announced it as we all know like they, you know they it was a very close like like close to the event sort of announcement and yeah. I'm sure they had like their logistic concerns on their own end whether it was working with wizards or planning or whatever it is like, can't can't really you know fault them for that there put in a position but I didn't find out about uh until 20 minutes after arriving on the venue that uh there's this thing called union fees that you have to yeah. pay uh, welcome, to do
1: Welcome yeah. to the cons yeah
3: Yeah exactly right um to stream in specifically Philadelphia which is why this year the fact that it is, it is in Pittsburgh is like so much better but straight up like two people from the union for that convention center walked up to me and were like hey like if you want to do this it's going to cost you $5000 and I was like well I, I don't have that kind of money and within two hours i mean roland chang was like hey put up a you know a GoFundMe, see what happens two hours and it got funded and i was just like amazing yeah literally like i was like almost in tears because it was just like that that tells you how important coverage is to the people right yeah um that that, like you know people want to see these games they're literally historical points in like you know the magic timeline that that need to be preserved right we can't just forget them there's an iconic picture of like you know uh Raja who's holding the the card that he won for winning Vintage Champs where and and it's just it's, it's a it's a vibe it's just like him he's like I did it this is like one of my you know like lifetime goals you know playing magic and props like imagine if we just like you know never got to see those games yeah. uh, pan out it'd be kind of disastrous so coming back to this year the 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 plan is to like have money so that like I don't run into those kind of problems like or like if I do run into those kind of problems the show can still go on because at the end of the day that's what matters to me Right, that's what matters to you. Like, like you guys are content creators, you understand. It's like we want to produce something; it has to happen. You just have that drive in you to make it happen. Long, Long story short, this year has been more about you know finding sponsors who are interested in supporting, and then also finding tos to work with, marketing plans that are viable, so that the next show can happen.
1: So before we get into the ideal situation, uh, one of your sponsors and and our sponsor is Moxfield and I wanted to give a quick shout out to Moxfield. Eternal Dirtles is proud to be sponsored by Moxfield. Moxfield is the best Magic the Gathering deck building website on the internet. You can create, share, and find decks from commander to legacy and even fan supported formats like pre-modern and old school. You can see all of our decks on our Moxfield, follow the links below to stay tuned so let's talk about your ideal situation
3: yeah so the ideal situation is um well i'm not doing it on my own uh i have maybe like one or two or maybe three other people who are helping out why is this important i kind of i kind of teeter on the verge of like burnout sometimes like uh you there's only so many flights where i can lug 200 pounds of luggage at some point i feel like you know there's yeah right it's it's a decent workout yeah yeah there's a lot to do and I think to get to the next level as well. Uh for example, like if I wanted to do player interviews, right? I can't handle like producing, directing and doing an interview at the same time. It's just it's just what it is. Like I would literally need a clone of myself to do it so that we could actually have someone like ask questions, answer questions, record all that kind of stuff. Or, you know, somebody to develop stuff in the back end like I mentioned earlier, Jordan, he's been an absolute behemoth just helping there in that department. That's that's really what it is. Now the problem obviously with that is is like I am doing all this stuff like out of pocket right like I, I'm just like hyper passionate about this that's why I do it I cannot in good faith like ask that of anybody else because the the regimen is like it's quite insane honestly like if you think yeah. about it like I think like last year alone I spent maybe like $50,000 and like who, who, who's gonna do that right like, like honestly like shout, shout out to my wife for even being like okay with it kind of just yeah. acknowledging like you know like hey, hey alright this is your dream go for it um but finding the money to hire additional people who you know are committed to the bit to under to learn like you know maybe there's a weekend where i i don't need to go right that i know there will be people on site who are you know very proficient in how to do it who have the passion to not accept mistakes of any kind who also have talked to who have also like developed the same sort of relationships basically like cl- clones of me people who are interested, right? That's what it is I guess i I guess what i what I'm trying to say is you could cue the Avengers music. I'm trying to build a team right like that's <laughs> that's that would be the ideal world. The problem is it's just like way too expensive to 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 do that, yeah. yeah.
1: Well, I think, uh, you know, it goes without saying, you have my bow and, uh, and Phil's axe if you ever need it. Anu,
2: <laughs> have you, has,
1: with all of this talk, of now that
2: you're like actually getting some amount of support from Watsi, are you able to talk about like what that support specifically is and then what support you, would, you feel you need going further that's beyond that?
3: That's a really good question. I think the other thing that I have done that's part of like marketing overall is like networking developing relationships and i've i've met a lot of fantastic people at wizards it's it's a process i think because there's like so much stuff going on in the air and i can't really speak to too much of it but it is definitely something that i want to have conversations with uh wizards about to figure out what we what how i can so like here's the other thing too is like i i i i i've realized that the best kind of content uh and this is i think just high level generic stuff anyways right content must provide value now generally it's like entertainment value maybe in the scope of magic there's some educational value i think what i provide from a value perspective is like twofold a you know i'm capturing i have the equipment to capture something that nobody else can at the moment right like coverage is like still coming back i think and um it would like for for a team like Star City, for example, to to chime in, and this is the second point. I am way cheaper than other alternatives, right? Because I'm a single person, right? I, for me, it's just a weekend. Everyone else has to hire. A crew and then they have to like do this pay that like blah 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 all that sort of stuff right so I think for that reason it's kind of persuasive it's conversations that still have to really like get flushed out yet um and, and i'm I'm hoping they go well I'm hoping they go well yeah. yeah
1: you know that they've got a lot going on on their end so it's like you know just slow going and try and keep a positive mentality about it and hopefully you know everybody comes together
3: yeah absolutely and until then it really is there's a there's been a lot of help from the community I and I I, I feel i feel kind of torn about this because i don't think it's the community's responsibility to sort of provide for these sort of things similarly it's like i don't know if it should necessarily all come down out of my pocket or whatever too but that's why i think like reaching out to third party sponsors and trying to figure out like who actually has the budget to support this who actually has the bandwidth to to make this happen like those are the people that i want to target and i wouldn't even be surprised if You know, some portion of those people are not even within the magic universe. Right. Like like uh, just like non endemic populations that I have to go out and be like, hey, like I have this product. Here are some numbers. Are you interested? You know, that kind of conversation.
1: So from there, you know, we've covered coverage, but let's talk about your deck of choice right now. Uh, Let's switch over and talk, talk a little strategy. Let's talk, uh, let's talk legacy. Um, so you're on Beanpile Pile lately and, uh, and, you know, we have a deck tech coming up for that relatively soon, but let's just go over some broad strokes about, about Bean Pile.
3: Yeah. I mean, this is IMO, like the fire successor to miracles. And I know I, a lot of the things I'm about to say, by the way, of Phil, just like straight up, like, Trigger rewarding, all right. I'm just gonna say, it, all right. Get ready. I, like I used to play hard control back in the day. Counterbalance, top, all the good stuff. Uh, the one card that has stuck with me through all of all of my legacy career is unironically terminus. Through the good days and the bad days. Portent, I'm looking at you. Oh wait, Phil still plays that card. Hold up. <laughs>
2: whoa, 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 it's getting personal.
3: Nobody have I. Nobody in my
2: life have I talked to more about whether or not we should we should be playing monastery mentor and if it should be in, in, in two copies, three copies, or four copies than Anu. No, Dude. Kind of like the, last, the last time we talked about it was like, I don't know, like 2018 or whatever. Th- that that conversation of like, is days playable? Is Monastery Mentor playable? And just the back and forth while people are just like, you know, dark ritualing us. Okay,
3: is... l- l- let me grab something. I want to show this to you. This is actually insane. You're going to love this, Phil. sec.
2: When it comes to Miracle Mages, the the, the stuff that we're willing to, to pull out and play in our 75 or 95 in some cases is, uh, oh, here it is.
3: This is the notebook. I, this is like, notebook is like four or five years old, but I, I'm glad that there's a video out. Element. I'm gonna like also sort of explain here, but you can sort of see here. This is how I used to build miracles. This word up here, brightling at the top, it's I guess it's like backwards kind of deal, but like I would break down literally everything like how I built my decks out, right? Just like three copies of Terminus, two copies of like Supreme Verdict. This is the lab, right? Like there's so many different, uh, like different things here. I, I used to write down strategy like concerns in game one, Jace versus Richard on port, things like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, the, yeah, I the don't. The answer
2: know. is Sabo's web, my guy.
3: <laughs> <I> dude. <don't. laughs> Tell me about. I, I, I'm pretty sure it's written down somewhere here in this in this Bible of mine. To this day, the answer to port. I, I used to have
1: one of those when I when I was uh, big in the punk scene. I'd keep that in my little cargo pant pocket and take down people's instant messenger names. Wow. Yeah. Okay, Dad. <laughs> you, <laughs> All
4: you, right. You want to know?
1: Here, here's what, one aspect. One aspect that I don't know if any
2: other archetype like really delves into, and in the way that miracle mages have to delve into it is thinking about what kind of what color mana we need on the turns we need it, and then what turns are the actual turns where you want to be. Casting certain spells in order to optimize mana to get through development. And I don't know if any other mages talk about it in a way that like miracle mages have to, but like back back then, back in in the era of that notebook that Anu just showed us, it was like, yes, you wanted specifically blue, white, blue, blue to get off the ground because you needed you knew that you were gonna need to convert some white card to survive development. And then your end game was Jace, and you needed to have you wanted to get through that. So it was always blue, white, blue, blue, white was for the long time that was your development out of out of the early game. And then once we moved towards like the heavier double white stuff, people were trying all this random stuff. That changed to be blue, white, white, blue. All this is to say, like, the, the depths that we have gone to try and solve this unsolvable puzzle.
3: Everything that you said there, absolutely, like, I I, I understand it, like, tit for tat. Like, I, I'm literally looking at deck lists right now that are described as, like, this deck list is miracles 19 plus one. And that's, like, 19 lands in the main deck with the mountain in the sideboard, right? Like, code mm-hmm. like that, right? Thoughts versus Grixis Delver. Entreat seems good versus more mid-rangey versions. Mentor not necessarily better versus Pyromancer heavy deck. I this is sick anyways so getting getting back to bean pile though um so I would say that this is like the decks that I play nowadays are basically the fire equivalents of of old school miracles it's just uh, one of those things where like the power level of these decks is absurd at this point where like you you just I I personally feel like I can't ignore it I won't speak for Phil here but th- there are two cards to me that have recently been printed that have basically brought control back those cards are up the beanstalk and the one ring i think if you like follow legacy you'll know that for a while iteration was legal and that card was very good in this deck uh there was also minskin boo that card was also really good in this deck and i think uh with the banning of iteration cool okay uh the one ring is just straight up stronger than minskin boo i think it it on average draws a lot more cards has fantastic synergies with the deck the the protection layer that you get is is, is fantastic right because you, you get to tap out for a turn you Kemp go shield down if you really need to with cards like terminus you can recoup the tempo loss with cards like mystic sanctuary you can access any card in your graveyard very very easily and then beanstalk is like is like the modern day predict almost i mean it's certainly not as elegant nothing ever will be but it is the kind of card you put to play on turn two and you just like sit and then you play a regular game of magic and then eventually you're just like wait i i can't hold all these cards in my hand so that's the first thing is like pivoting to that and then you have your usual culprits of like uro swords force like all the good control cards that have uh we've seen over the past should mention that this is a yurion deck right yeah that's a good point as well uh and and this is gonna be a kind of a bad answer but the reason i'm playing yurion is because i couldn't fit everything in (laughs) 60 and i'm just trying to make it work that's actually how it started but then more and more and more i played uh the more i was like okay wait a minute yurion is actually pretty good has fantastic synergy with up the beanstalk it's a five mana spell that you know draws a card when it's on the stack and then also draws a card in the end step when the bean comes back so that's already amazing Obviously, it pitches to force. I think there's another development from the Lord of the Rings set that makes Yorion a bit more viable, and that is the printing of the cycling uh, spells like Lorion revealed. One of the issues with Yorion decks historically has been finding um, a proper blue count because, you know, you you delve into the cycle of like, okay, you've got spirit. Uh, what's what's the card? Staff of the Storyteller, right? Mm-hmm. That, that makes spirits, yeah. Uh, like Fable, Minskin Boo, all these like non-blue threats that are very good value engines, but <laughs> then you suddenly run out of cards to pitch to force. So now Lorian helps with with that. But then also, when you jump up from sixty to eighty, you introduce a lot of volatility into the the like the network of how your mana functions. Right, your brainstorms get a little bit worse. Your ponders aren't exactly; they don't have that same kick. There's a concept in Legacy that I I, I really like, and I'm sure you two will instantly realize this. But it's the idea of like like lowering your curve. I mean, Delver is the greatest example of this, and that's kind of what I want to do with this deck. Right, is to play a very low to the ground curve that has as few lands as possible, but can still operate because you never want to flood out when you're, when you're dancing at like, you know, casting your spells at zero, one or two mana. And lorian definitely does help there, right? Sometimes it comes in, it's a land that comes into play tap. That's fine because you can hold up your one mana instant speed interaction. Sometimes it's a five mana draw three. Sometimes it's a five mana draw five. Like it's, it's, it is a card that I think has literally changed all of magic, not just legacy, not just modern. We're even seeing it in vintage. And I, I think in to a degree is it's also seeing play in popper. It's a, yeah. I, I, I think I'm not 100% sure. Um, it's such
1: an understated design like we didn't see this this was not a card when we did our big like all the lord of the rings cards like none of those land cyclers we even mentioned i think that looking back at when we did that set review i think the thing that we missed was looking at
2: like if we zoomed out from just that set that set review and we recognized that most of the power that has been presented in a lot of the recent sets that the control lists really want are non-blue and we didn't think about what it would look like if once if a a land slot could be blue Mm we just like the blue count just was not something that like came to mind when looking at those cards in the spoiler but like all of the good card draw all of the good like a lot of the good threats have been non-blue and that, that we've wanted to like what the last good blue card that came out of a set was what uro otherwise it's been he yeah. one ring minsk there was staff of the storyteller for a short period of time like they got rid of expressive iteration so then like from there it was just like all this density of non-blue beyond the cantrip suite and force of will and so it's like okay our baseline is like 16 blue cards maybe 19 blue cards but it's like i don't know about what, what, what your threshold for risk is Anu, my like when I say lists, like right now I'm operating on a list that's like been fluctuating between 20 and 22, and I feel naked. Like, mm-hmm. if I am anything, if I'm anything below 23, I'm like, okay, I guess I'll, I guess I'm just jumping off a cliff and hoping I survive, you know? Yeah,
3: yeah. I, I am in the same boat as you. I remember so many things actually, like even like, like back in the day, like, like, that, even like when we're talking about like risk mitigation, like, do you remember like Joe Lassette's miracle deck had like 16 blue sources or something like that? Like, that's the Dude. kind of anxiety I'm getting when you're hearing you talk about this one. Sort of thing, like I,
2: I'll, I'll tell you a quick story about Lissette Miracles from back back when it was the relevant way to beat, like you know, good miracles. So Legends Miracles, <laughs> it was it was good against exactly the mirror and nothing else, and that's because it had Cavern of Souls on Wizard, and there was no way for Miracles to really interact without outside of back to basics. Beyond that, you just fought over the back to basics. And then ne- anyway, that Miracles deck list back in the day, it was twenty two. It was a twenty two land, three counterbalance Legend Miracles deck that played Plains Plains Caracas Caracas Cavern of Souls Mountain in the main board. Jeez. yeah. 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 I remember yeah. I, I remember play The thing is, is Joe was consistently putting up results because he was just beating up on all the other Miracles players because he was teched out pre-board for that matchup. And I remember, I, I don't remember the, the, who it was, but uh, another player, this is at SEGs, a player came up to somebody at one of the tables that I was sitting at and I just overheard the conversation where he came up and he was like, okay, I'm playing the four predict top Miracles. Joe keeps top aiding these events on these legend Miracles. And then he like runs through the mana base. He's like, but it's got two planes, two Caracas of Cavernous Souls and a mountain in the main board. He's playing three bombs." like this is shit right like i'm not crazy right like this is bad right and everybody's like yeah this is bad this is bad it's all bad everything is bad but like he was he was making it work because he like just identified there was i remember there was uh, also like some lists where he was playing there was a point where we all started cutting swords to shares just because miracles was the best thing to be doing all that is to say coming back to the to, to present time back then it took a long time for us miracle mages to recognize that four predict was just the best thing to be doing like we didn't get to four predict for a, lo- a while but like that kind of threat alongside jace the mind sculptor and stuff meant that our blue count was relatively good mm-hmm. but then since since then, Jace has fallen off. You know, Predict has fallen off because Beanstalk is better, Ring is better. So it's like the the, the shift away from blue cards towards these power creep non-blue cards that control list actively want makes it way more... like it devalues the power of your forces. But the power creep has been such that you need your forces more.
3: Yeah, yeah, and you're playing
2: so more forces because they printed Force negation.
3: So it gets it gets it gets really really tricky. The palette it's 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 been a puzzle in and of itself, and I think that's where Lorian Revealed comes in. It's just like, hey, not only do I help you with mana issues. I also pitch the force of will, and if we get to it, I also just pull you massively ahead in top deck wars. The I mean imagine is- that
1: card in like 2014, you know?
3: Yeah. yeah. The card is just really, really, really <laughs> good. And and I think the metric that I would use to like evaluate this card again if I had the Microsoft one more time. Magic has always boiled down to one thing, and that is mana and how to optimize your spells with regard to mana and balancing power level based on how much mana you're spending and everything mana this, mana that, mana that, right? So when you have a card like this that like says, like because before then we had never seen one mana for island cycling, no. And so this is like maybe the most disgusting version of power creep because it affects something so like sacred almost like, you know, just mana.
2: Uh, Anu, off of that idea, this you, you and I have been thinking on the same wavelength for a while now than it seems. One of the things where I know that like, it didn't correlate at first. But one way, and tell me if, if this jumps out to you as well. Back when we had Top, one of the most powerful things that Top allowed for that was not on the surface at all. Uh, the stuff on the surface was counterbalance lock, uh, flipping instance speed terminuses. Like, that was the stuff people saw. But one of the really, really potent power level parts of Sensei's Divining Top was that your white mana, your planes, was gave you card selection. You can yeah. cantrip off your plane. Yeah. And that mattered. That was huge because you could, you could develop early, go island planes, and you wouldn't have just just naked mana sitting on the table, not doing anything. But then when top went, and then we started trying out like portent and preordain and stuff like that. Getting up planes was a liability because it was dead mana during development. If you weren't converting a white card, Lorian Revealed lets you use your planes or your your non blue mana
3: to cycle to continue your development, and that's so potent. That's so potent. I, I, I think so too. Also, the, you're right, absolutely right. That like you could use a card like Wasteland to find up an island or something like that. Right. Like we see out of all these like Delver decks and whatever. Like it is remarkably powerful and and very very well disguised to the point and i, I don't know if people are going to disagree with me here but like i think it is even more impactful than a card like the one ring or or Grish Bowmasters because like let's be real here those two cards you could probably power creep them out but yeah i like i don't know how you power creep out zero a card like lorian island cycling. <laughs> like like what zero mana island yeah. cycling like no, you, no that's the, never gonna the, happen the, the way they do it is exactly what it is now
2: but it's an instant instead of a sorcery like <laughs> at, at oh, some point sure. do that. but like a, a quick example of like to imagine like how how important the island cycling part for just colorless is i want people to just like imagine who have played with it or played against it imagine if it was island cycling for blue it's a wholly different and way less powerful card it
1: may still be good enough
2: but it is so different from what you from what we experience
1: now well i think the thing that kind of threw me into the zone of like oh this card's good and i'm gonna i'm gonna say something controversial here so get ready this card is the best interaction in legacy since brainstorm Fetchlands. very controversial thing to say but so here's why i'm saying that because i've been looking at death shadow bill Wilds. One of the decks I can build, and uh, I had an interview with uh, Tron is Bad a couple weeks ago, and we were talking about how you can just keep uh, you can keep a Wasteland hand if you have Lord Revealed. You're gonna be like, okay, cool, I'll just keep Wasteland, and the deck is playing two less lands now. It's playing 16 lands in a Delver deck, basically. You know, we're cutting two lands so that we can play more cards, and the cards we're adding are the cards that go, oh, I guess I I guess I get to play. Uh, re- in this case, it's it's at Doom, but like you get to play Reanimator as a strategy, and it. Just works. It's like these all these cards are allowing you to do what fetch lands and brainstorm did, which was lower the amount of lands. We used to play like close to thirty lands. You know, like you play like twenty six lands in in your control deck, twenty five in a mid range deck, until fetch lands and brainstorm became like a thing people knew how to do, and they were like, oh, I can lower down to to twenty. You know, somewhere between twenty two and eighteen lands for for a legacy deck. Now it's like I can play sixteen in the Delver deck. That's wild.
3: Yeah, I, I think that's 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 a a fantastic realization. Is that like. Like it allows you to sort of just make your deck even leaner. It, it it keeps your floor consistent while increasing your ceiling, and and that is very very rare to find in a card because there are a lot of cards that just have like risks, and the risks on this these this cycle of cards is like what, it's really stifle you? yeah I mean like <laughs> yeah right like that's what it takes yeah. that's what it takes but yeah so Lorian revealed is one of those cards that I think is has also just made Yorion specifically a bit more playable. The other thing that I noticed so this is kind of twofold: the metagame really revolves around one card right now, uh, and that card is Orcish Bowmasters IMO. You must have an answer to Orcish Bowmasters. You must make every brainstorm and ponder with Bowmasters in mind, because if Bowmasters enters play and then does not leave play, as a control mage, you're kind of just, you're stuck. And so that made me realize another thing, which is that effectiveness of a card like Pyroblast, which, you know, I have literally played five copies of Pyroblast in my sideboard at one point, uh, you know, when blue decks were just like that, like when iteration was that bad. I'm expressive When there was
2: a, a viable blue threat that you need to answer
3: Exactly right. And now that's a great way of putting it, Phil. There, there just isn't. And I think it's it's migrated to being this one in a black orcish bowmasters card. Why do I want pyroblast? It doesn't do anything against grief. Merktide is cool to kill, but like like we still we have leyline binding now, which is another addition to these these decks thanks to up the beanstalk and just like unholy mana. I don't know. With, pyroblast is like not that great. I would not bowmasters
1: and, and orcish uh, and sorry and uh beanstalk. Is it is it is it spell snare's time? With... All
2: right. <laughs> cooking <laughs> as we get cooking we we all want it we all want spell snare to be good right we're all like mm, mm give me that sweet trade up on mana mm delicious i am i am just not a believer in those conditional counter spells because it, if if your opponent is aware of it and just chooses to figure out like ways to maneuver it it's just I feel like the the format is so powerful now that the opportunity cost is those cards because you can't really afford to port yourself because the game can be lost in development you know yeah and yeah. so it's like if, if you're like all right I'm on the draw and I open ponder one land spell snare am I supposed to hold this thing open but then they play at instant speed and then I'm like okay well I can ponder to try and find my second land but if they just throw in the bone like if they're aware the spell snare, they just play the bow master before after I've pondered, and then that spell snare is dead. Or if I hold it up and I know that they're playing an instant speed, then I feel like I have to hold up the spell snare. And if I whiff on the, the second land on my draw, now I could be naked. I might just be I might find myself in the bad position of having to play this ponder into the bow master that the spell snare was supposed to catch, and the snare is still just sitting in my hand, dead. It doesn't You can't convert it as cleanly mm-hmm. in ways that like later on you could sort of like cycle a veil of summer. I think Anu, you put it like really, really well, where you're like the floor is high and the ceiling, the, the ceiling is is elevated the threats now particularly because they're at instant speed it just plays around that one man interaction so much smoother than before where it's like if they play expressive iteration it's sorcery speed you know they have to cast if they don't then they are sitting on it in the same way that you are and it's like okay if we're in a holding pattern that's great for control but the fact that they can maneuver it just at least in my my testing of trying to make that stuff work i have not found the way
3: yeah there there are a couple punishes I, i i also think it's just like i hate to say this but it's just like other cards are so powerful that i'd rather play those now i will say one thing which is in an effort to sort of make a concession to cards like Bowmasters and and and, and address like the kind of basically that right a card that has really overperformed for me personally. It's a two-mana spell. It kills creatures, and it also counters spells. It's Drown in the Lock. And power level on this card is not quite there, but it does a lot of things for Yorion specifically. So the setup here basically is me sort of explaining how I've sort of transitioned away from playing this four-color, no-black deck into a four-color, no-red deck, which is really interesting because Pyroblast is a card I played for so long. But with the discovery of a card like Drown in the Lock, it allows me to sort of play that Drago game a little bit more effectively. If you look. look at other lists in the metagame right now you'll notice like for example um Zio franconi who won the showcase recently was playing four color no black and had the pyro blast in the sideboard but was playing cards like force of negation in the main deck and i'm not a big fan of that kind of card similarly with like dress down not a really big fan of that card this goes back to the conversation of if an opponent's threat sticks and stays in play kind of dead force of negation doesn't do anything against bow masters and dress down is gives you a one turn window to answer bow masters and if you don't have the answer there you're you're in Big trouble, right? So going back to dress, uh, sorry, Drought of the Lock. This is the kind of card that, like, I think it's good against a variety of decks in the format, and I think it's also a very good card to top deck in certain dire situations where you can just go, like, all right, pop your bowmasters, now tap my ring to draw some cards and get back in the game, kind of deal. Also, what I've kind of realized is like the power creep of Magic in general has made not just specific decks viable, but many, many, many decks viable, right? Like imagine like the Dark Ritual Shieldred Leyline Helm sort of decks that exist, you know. You You've got the initiative decks that admittedly, like, you're not very good against, but now with the resurgence of a deck like PO, for example, like, you need some sort of catch-alls for this. I think Drown of the Lock sort of, it's it's not perfect. It's definitely, like, you know, a card that has weaknesses, but it does cover some holes in the whole, in, in, in the deck, and so for that reason, I, I, I'm kind of a fan. The big ticket item, though, is that it, it kills Bowmasters, which, like, at this point, I found that I need like, 13, 14, maybe 15 answers in my Yorion deck just for that one card because I can't beat it if it's in play.
2: I think for to, to jump up to piggyback on that, I think one a couple ways in particular that aren't clear at first glance with how the meta has sort of broken out with Bow Masters in it is a lot of the things that are good that play seem to play well now are indicative because of things that Bowmaster has done that we aren't necessarily seeing. So for example, Narset and Teferi, I feel like are at all-time lows compared to what they were before Bow Master existed, because Bowmaster is very good at checking those kinds of walkers. And because of that, there are some spells that otherwise would not be viable that because way more viable because th- the presence of those planeswalkers aren't there but also the presence of those walkers not being as potent like you'll still see them they're still good cards but you won't see them in the same numbers that you will before and that implies that pyroblast's power, power level is gone down because for us control mages having power blast on the board to deal with a narset which you know had a similar effect to bowmaster but way more punishing and Ferry, which cut off a lot of the ways that we interact having pyroblast was the most efficient way really the only viable way to deal with those cards outside of presenting just more attackers which is tough because if you were going outside of something like the Uro Uro coming back which is too clunky and slow to really deal with it if they've resolved it or like something like Endurance which is like a very easy way for those types of decks to deal with anyway then there wasn't really a viable way to clear it from the board unless you know you had your like fourth or something things that Teferi did it was really hard to play anything with Flash because Teferi could just put it right back so the the value of haste went up and so that's where fourth was really good at like checking opposing planeswalkers that's why Minsk was really good at, at checking opposing planeswalkers but Bowmaster has changed the paradigm on the value of those planeswalkers because if you play a Minsk and they just go Bowmaster hit your boo, attack your thing, and then it's like, okay, make another uh, a uh token or whatever, but then, okay, sit back with your token, don't do anything, and then if you try and draw cards, you're just going to get domed and make a giant guy when it all resolves. Like, you still take the damage off the master. All of these things subtly make it so that Planeswalkers have been worse because there's 50% master in the metagame. And so that makes the shift from red become way easier into other cards like black, where then we discover things like Drawn on the Lock being really solid. Recently, I've been trying to figure out how to leverage Terra Sunder as a card in the in the board because it's a really good way at dealing with sagas you you want more ways to deal with Urza saga it's cheap and can interact in those matchups it's another way to chalice and stuff but then it can also check opposing rings before they can get a counter on it because it's an instant speed but then the fail safe is that you can still hit anything because it has the black splash on the kicker that card I don't think is really a way that like I wouldn't have looked at that card before when I was like I need pyroblast but now that we don't those kinds of cards become way more appealing particularly because we need to slant harder into green for beanstalk
3: yep and and speaking of like green as well another card that i I think is low-key an all-star for these control decks in particular too is is force of vigor i've sort of realized like this card does does a lot firstly it's it's Fantastic in the mirror, you know, against all these enemy up the beanstalks, against Leyline Binding in particular. That is a very, very, very powerful um sort of interaction that I've learned from playing a little bit of modern is that you can really really like make Leyline ley Binding look embarrassing. Also, when you look at the metagame, you're mentioning some critical cards here, right? Like Urza Saga is one of them, I think. Uh initiative decks, I'm not so sure how good Force is because they have they have chalice, but is there anything really else there? Um, but the fact that it's you know it's it's good against um it's good against these like you know blue saga decks it's good against control potentially playable against initiative like that that is a wide spread of cards that you are able to handle using a free spell and you can mystic sanctuary back to like the synergies are just like off the chart kind of deal i I, i'm pretty stoked about that card as well that's another card that i think is underrated that has has made a, a really nice addition but yeah i i think in terms of like bean pile as a whole like it's stable it's in a good spot and it's been doing really really well like whether you're playing black or whether you're playing red um the results are being Posted everywhere. There's just like a certain like couple things that you need to check here and there. Like Boom Masters is one of them. Make sure you have answers to like uh, the various cards in the format that maybe maybe you rely on forces. Maybe you li- rely on dressdown. I think dressdown is maybe better than I'm giving it credit for. But uh, like I mentioned for the reasons earlier, like it, I, I prefer more permanent answers to cards. I, I think bean pile is in a pretty good spot.
1: One of the things I wanted to bring up and get, getting in before Phil, Phil does on this about uh, force of vigor is it allows your mana base to be all non basic lands because you can still cast this against a Blood Moon.
3: Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's a that's another big thing, too, that I, I completely did not talk about, is that Blood Moon has been the bane of my existence for I don't even know how long. And uh, Dude, this how, car- how far uh,
4: are we? Uh, right? 29, from, from, 29 years?
3: 29 years, I think, <laughs> is the answer.
2: From, from our <laughs> seven basics, never giving a shit about those types of cards to, like, now we're just like, please don't magus me. Please don't I
3: magus know. me. I know. Yeah, I've got three copies of Hydroblast in my sideboard, Phil. I have three whole copies of Hydroblast like it's, it's, it's tough. It's tough.
2: Dude. So the, I, I've been trying out a bunch of different uh, options and, and tell me like if you've navigated these areas well. So I, I've been playing force of Figure for a while. I recognize that like the, the kind of 60 card miracles that I still like to play. I'm still a terminus and treat gamer. What it do. But I found that when I tried playing the ley line bindings, I didn't like how susceptible I was to it getting blown up. And I didn't like that. Once we had moved into beanstalk, they had already wanted to bring in their stuff to deal with the beanstalk anyway. And then Leyline binding would get all of the flack from that. Mm-hmm. And I found that like there would be positions in mirror matches where if my opponent lay lines and they go after my beanstalk with it, I'm like, I'm happy to let this resolve. The game's gonna get to a place where we're gonna try and blow this stuff up on each other and you're giving me an additional card draw on top of the matchup becomes about the beanstalks, but it's like if you're not dealing with them per- permanently with like a PE or a Terra Sunder or whatever else the options are that like having something stick on the board, I, I find it to be a liability. So I haven't I've moved away from it. Force of figure, obviously Blood Moon, but when they would play Magus, I'd be like, I feel dumb. I have this Force of figure and they played a Magus Moon. Like I should have solved this problem way back. I was like, okay, well if the similar space, if I don't want to have to lean into making my mana worse, solitude becomes a really appealing answer to deal with magus and then i was like okay if i'm playing force of vigor and i'm playing solitude then i'm really interested in trying out kira and this is in a 60 and you know i'm trying to think if there's like other spaces for for that in in yorian the more and more i i I got into it the more i was like i feel like the the process for us as the control mages is trying to solve all of these problems all at once and then we end up finding like clever ways to get around it and it usually just comes back around to like the simplest form i've moved back to just being like all right i'm just going to play a basic planes in the board, similar. how I played we played basic mountain in the board all those years and maybe that's just the answer and then when you're playing against the magus stuff you just yeah I'm gonna aggressively fetch for the planes not have to worry about this thing and then if I need to get my colors back I can turn off the magus later when when you're solving all these problems do you notice that there are certain cards that you keep coming back to or certain plans that you keep coming back to that just fit your play style for Yorion 80 things that are more potent for you even when you try a bunch of other things because like testing and we could test ad nauseum all these cards that are good in certain situations do you find that you navigate your game? Games to a certain way. And then that makes you steer towards cards that some people may otherwise not agree with you on. So, a good example for you and I, I think you and I are the only people that are diehards for cosmic rebirth at the moment. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Love that card. Yeah. I think the real answer to this question is less so about like any specific card choices, but more like how I like design. Right. And the answer yeah. to that question for me is redundancy. I want to basically do the same thing over and over and over and over again. And the reason I can justify doing that thing over again is because it's a very damn good thing that I'm doing. Right. And in, in this instance, I suppose I was playing more distant in my sideboard at one point, but then I kind of realized like, okay, in an 80 card deck, what is more likely drawing my two of sideboard card or fetching for a basic plane, right? And when you say it like that, you're just like, Wait, like fetching for a basic plane. That's like so easy, right? Everybody can fetch for a land. And so those are the kind of solutions that I generally like to f- draw to. Like if I drowned in the lock, admittedly is a kind of card that like fills up slots in the deck. It's not the card that I'm like the most proud of, but it it does a lot, right? I can look at that card and be like, OK, well, there's a creature in play. What do I want to do? Kill it, obviously. OK, so that I'm putting a spell in here that is, you know, it's like multimodal, right? Like it can kill The card in play or it can counter the card on another card on the stack right basically sort of just having that that a flexibility and then like be the redundancy uh, of of that right i kind of realized a while ago and this is also this is kind of interesting too because um with when expressive iteration was in play or when it was a card that you're allowed to play right i think basic planes was just really bad but now that that card has been banned and like the turn patterns of like how you want your mana to appear in play is is like you know tundra and then maybe like for me specifically it's like by you or something like that planes is not the worst because it doesn't stop me from casting a, a number of spells uh, that i need to cast big picture I, I don't know if i'm really saying this really well but it's just like the idea of redundancy is much easier to digest than having like silver bullets um so i look for cards that are generically applicable a great example is an article that jerry thompson wrote a long time ago where he was like all right well you have two cards right you've got like supreme verdict and you've got disenchant right what do you do you have one extra slot do you put one another supreme verdict in or you put another disenchant in and he was like actually let's turn to a card like council judgment which is can like flexibly handle a lot of things it can it can remove a creature or it can remove an artifact enchantment this is a very valuable card because it you know it just gives your deck a bit of more it doesn't necessarily do the same effect as the other ones as well as they do it but it's it's like that sweet like goldilocks spot in the middle that gets the job done and it's a card that you are never like really upset to draw because always reads, I, I do something, right? That's the thing about control is your cards need to be flexible enough where you don't get dead draws, which is again, like going back to why Bowmasters is so cool is because it, it it punishes you for trying to play that sort of flex game plan, right? I mean, if
2: we're looking for more consistent draws, Anu, can I interest you in Uh-oh. my good friend, my good friend Portent?
4: My ah, going <laughs> to say it. I do it. I do it.
2: My good friend uh, Portent there. Uh, now that you've shifted a little bit more into Black and you're moving away from red. Are you still playing fourth Aerolingus and two uh, on fourth? Have you found that fourth is a consistently good card? And I ask that from the from the lens of when I tried fourth, what I found is that there were it, it was always a 10-2 card. It never it never felt like it was like the like you were talking about like the consistency that you need, the redundancy that you need. It always felt like it was the card that was lights out, or it was the card where I was like, oh man, if I introduce the monarch, like it is going to be the thing that kills me. Like I will be my own demise.
3: Yeah. Um. So I'll tell you a story. My opponent went turn one island preordain. Uh. After I played my land for the turn. Turn two, I go land, go. Uh they go fetch land pass. Thoughts use me there. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm playing against Doomsday. Cool. This is gonna be easy. Draw, draw for turn. I'm like, oh, fourth Erlingas, let's go. Third land, slam the fourth, attack with my token, get the monarch, ETB, or sorry, a- a- end of turn, they go orcish bowmasters, and I'm just like, well, I lose this game. <laughs> it is it is certainly kind of swingy, but here's what I will say about this card is that from my perspective, I I, I kind of look at it as entreat the angels with upside. Only because I don't really ever want to cast it on turn three. It also... gives you like that fireball win condition that I think this specific build of Yorion kind of wants Um, because we're really good at controlling the board. We're really good at drawing cards, but closing the game sometimes is really tricky. And then it just turns out like the utility of haste is something that I want in my back pocket at all times. So, you know, I did say I was playing four color, no red. I lied. There are two copies of fourth Aer in my deck just because the card is that good. And to clarify, like to, to make it all work you know like technically it's like five color soup there are like two red sources one's a triome. it's certainly contentious but i think it the first copy at least adds so much to your deck for example like the returns are just like unignorable you know what i mean like you play one copy and suddenly you you get live draws uh, at stages of the game that you never had otherwise it's like it's like the first copy of terminus for example right like when when in the back of your mind you're looking at a board full of creatures and you're like geez i wish i had you know there are a lot of scenarios where it's like well they just played a teferi they and we both burned our forces and now, well, geez, I wish I had a way to get rid of this Teferi. Fourth Airlingus is like one of those cards that could kill your opponent, but it could also kill a Teferi, right? Haste is ridiculous. Haste is absolutely ridiculous. Th- things like that. I think I think there's utility. There is a very clear downside to the card, and you kind of just have to either A, accept it, or B, just don't play it on turn three. You know what I mean? Like sometimes you have to you have to have that like patience to not play it until a better spot. And that, that's tricky. That's very, very tricky.
1: Coming up, uh coming up on the end, I just wanted to uh... Uh, state one thing that I think is really cool about, about Drown in the Lock. I want to go back to that real fast. This, especially when you're taking out red, this fills the space that Lightning Bolt, like, kind of has for Delver, where you're like, I mean, maybe I need to go to the face to end the game. Maybe, you know, that modal ability is is like something I think that the, contr- the control decks were missing anyhow, is just to have that sort of versatility.
3: Yeah, I, I uh, that's part of the reason why I have it in the deck. I mean, like, you can look at cards like, you know, Force of Will and Swords to Plowshares, like, they're super fun. Fl- Flexible. Um, Drown in the Lock isn't quite there in the with the same power level since it costs two mana. But the, the here's here's what I also noticed, and I, maybe this is my closing thought on a card like Drown in the Lock. It's a problem solver. And a great example to sort of explain what a problem solving card is is like cosmic rebirth, right? So in modern, for example, what I've noticed is like there are a lot of game states where I'll play a planeswalker and it dies, and then I need to like, you know, find a way to resolve my spell. And I also notice my life total is going low because I've been, you know, chucking the ring a lot, and that's where a card like Cosmic Rebirth comes in because it's like, well, it can bring your planeswalker back, unlocking a threat that you can play at instant speed on your opponent's end step. It can also literally just ramp you, which is very, very powerful in control. It gains you life at instant speed. Like if you're, if you're at two, and you know your ring's about to kill you and your opponent's like, okay, what are you going to do about it? You're like, all right, I'll well, just gain three life. And then usually that's a game winning play, by the way. It breaks a lot of paradigms and it solves a lot of problems. And then you just bank on the rest of the deck to cover like the other 99% of scenarios, right? So in the case of Legacy, it's like, all right, cool like like i have force of will i have swords to plagers and i have terminus and that's going to cover most of my scenarios but sometimes orcish bowmaster is going to like slip through the stream and then land and play and at that point i'm just like no two mana destroy you nice try right like it is like that kind of card and plus it's also like it's another card that kind of like is very good to like seal the door shut with if that makes sense like mystic yeah. sanctuary target my drown in the lock i have a counterspell now you know i have a counterspell you have to draw two threats now not just one that kind of thing right so it, it's a problem solver in my eyes yorian is an, it's like when you factor in 80 cards, you need you can't afford to polarize your deck too much. You can't have all swords and all forces because then you'll draw the wrong card at the wrong time. That's the kiss of death in a deck like Control. That's another kind of problem that Drown the Locks uh, solves, right? Like it just multimodal, does lots of things, and uh, yeah, just it's like um like filling that you put in like holes in the wall when you you know you're pulling a nail out kind of deal. I don't know. But that's a really really bad analogy. I'm sorry.
2: <laughs> How often have we been like, yep, we played against combo in game one and we drew the white half of our deck instead of the blue half, and so we just. Died that happens and like to this day we still as, as control majors have the luxury of like we've been playing draw go with our opponent and it's probably because they are sitting on a bunch of white cards that have no text mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and we get to leverage that and it's like instead of they drew a white card we drew a counter spell instead that in another matchup is like we drew a removal spell instead you i mean you said it you actually did say it well limiting the amount of times that we have those draws where cards have don't have text is value. cards that just always have text is way more valuable than cards that don't right i mean it sounds it sounds too simple to
1: be that simple but it is you heard oh, it here. Those things yeah. modal spells are good and Anurag uh, enlightened us to that <laughs> wow coming up on the end here uh Anu I, I want to thank you for one yeah, my- <laughs> for everything you've done for legacy man like uh the coverage stuff is just is beyond like we would give you an award but we don't have one <laughs> you know, <laughs> they they haven't made one yet. You know, like they, they, there should be an award for people uh that are that are uh you know creating, helping create the community and and bring it together and inform them. You know, and beyond that, you know, uh, for color the four color control deck is just it, it is just wild. It's a study in it's a study in deck design.
3: Absolutely, yeah. I, I really appreciate that and uh, it means a lot. I love magic. We all love magic, so we do what we can. And I appreciate you for having me uh, today.
1: Oh, yeah, everybody. Uh, thanks for watching. Like, subscribe. I'll do all that stuff. And we will catch you next time. Thanks for watching.
3: Ugh, you're a monster.
4: Hi, I'm Force of Phil. I can build all your cards and still cast the drill, copy it ten times like I my silver quill. Shadrix thinks he knows me. Elder dragons get so lonely. All his high fantasy show me whimsical ways that we're homies. But he hasn't found out that there's a bounty around all of the ink that's abound. If I jab a pin in his mouth and then I let him. And wear his skin like a crown, period to the abyss of the monarchy that's now bound into my arteries. Part of me feels like a cross between artistry and a plot to peel strawberries. fruits of my labor are honestly harboring hate for the modesty I inflate as a posture. Like I'm not a shapeshifter, imposter,
3: and evil who's obviously a monster. We're like evil twins, cause we only copy monsters. Guns are fucking dumb, but you're still up in our crosshairs. We don't miss our triggers like some chalice playing fraudsters. They're not in our league while we're winning, they all drop it. Send us to the pros we're gone. Begot- Love some sponsors. Copy in their clothes, on Z D becomes a cosplayer. cozied up in robes that can only fit us monsters. Call us monsters. If
4: I'm Fisher, I'm Boblin. If I'm Ursa, I'm comblin'. If I'm Karnoff and Wishin, it's Navin's bridge that's been stopping them. Look like Emily unlocking them. In the red zone, they hoghe echoing eons and like airflows. Whip up the dead, secret crack them. Secret layer them like cake, baked on a vampire steak, flaked with the blood of a dragon that's been bleeding for days. case of the center of a library, change our hopes with anxiety. They cut the throat like you're finally trying to boast a new dynasty as a monster
3: we're like evil twins cause we only copy monsters guns are fucking dumb but you still up in our crosshair we don't miss our triggers like them challenge playing fraudsters they're not in our league while we're winning they all drop there send us to the pros where we gobble up them sponsors copy in their clothes, on zd becomes a cosplayer cozied up in robes that can only fit us monsters call
4: us monsters i'm like dogma son so you can own now call me crick Alpha wrecks your face as if a mellish Snorning gifts are given to the living Swimming in stormy conditions For a distance that if you counted in minutes Time would have to walk to finish And run the risk of slipping on the sticky liquid Exhibited in their ribs And requisite a physician to extinguish their injured position With exquisite stitches, sifting lipids Through many incisions, pitted in divots And slither wispy fringes Between ligaments, squishing blistered withered bits Of renin in a syringe And pins to the stiffness of a strix That stripped and nipped or twixt the tree of perdition And the algorithmic indifference of ten is the who wanted Shadricks to listen to his opinion, that his lack of precision was the linguistic equivalent of the desperate and fiction, written in hieroglyphic inscriptions by a strange and vicious villain, twisted as a wiki, tricking, sickening, sadistic monster, slaughtering you all about a valedictorian charters, an auditorium of otters and lobsters bothered by trauma caught prized by the core of their fathers, who dropped them for a whore and a dollar who's glorified only. Monster. Bill is killing it, willin' and chillin' a billion civilians and grillin' their children like chicken that's thickin' with fixin's and mix them with pickles and skittles that's kept with some nibble and quibble and lick up the drizzle of simple your sinful spittle then trickles from the tip of this scribble and triple bristles that signal your skin to
3: frill and prickle like a visceral. Monster, we're like evil twins, cause we only copy monsters. Guns are fucking dumb, but you're still up in our crosshairs. We don't miss our triggers like the chalice-play fraudsters. They're not in our league, while we win and they all drop this. Send us to the pros, where we gobble up the sponsors. Copy and they close on ZD, becomes a cosplay. Posied up in robes that can only fit us monsters Call us monsters